this, uh, this is something that came on the internet about uh, Noah's Ark. Everything I need to know I learned from Noah's Ark. Number one, don't miss the boat. Number two, remember that we are all in the same boat. <laughs> Number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Number four, stay fit. When you're 60 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Number six, Build your future on higher ground. Number seven, for safety's sake, travel in pairs. Number eight, speed isn't always an advantage. The snails were on board with the cheetahs. Number nine, when you're stressed, float a while. Number 10, remember that the ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic by professionals. And number 11, no matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. <laughs> oh. That has nothing to do with my sermon, but I just thought I'd put that out there. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to speak about our belief, and, uh, and I entitled it Belief Part 2 because we, uh, we did that, uh, spoke on it somewhat last week. I want to know, did, uh, who did you encourage? Remember last week we finished up? Remember you have your... Oh, uh, will somebody give out these note cards? They're noteworthy sermons. You're on the end, come on up. <laughs> you can take a couple, two, three, four, five, whatever, just leave them on your pew. So who did, you, did, who did you need to encourage? Anybody encourage someone this week? Yeah, okay. All right. You tried to. Yeah. All right, anybody else? Anyone else? You need, okay, what, what happened? All right. Uh, number two, God, God has great things in store for you. How many believe that? Did you make that application? Number three, what need do you have that God will get honor from accomplishing in your life? Did you figure that out? All right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay with these. Important. All right. So we talked about our belief and our faith, and um, belief means to accept as true. Now, sometimes, and we mentioned a little bit about this in Sunday school, that um, sometimes we will say, well, you, you believe it's true, but that doesn't mean it's true. Uh, but the idea is that when we believe something, that's good, thank you. The idea is that when we believe something, what happens? We believe it, it means that we accept it as true, we accept it as genuine, we accept it as real. So whenever we say we believe in the scripture, we're saying that we accept it as true. Now one of the questions that we had here was there someone that you encouraged? Now the, the challenge is, did they believe you? Number one, the reason that you sometimes, we sometimes don't encourage someone is because we don't believe it ourselves. We don't believe it ourselves. We don't believe enough in who we are and what we have to say to share it with someone, so we don't say it because, well, they're not going to believe it anyhow. Well, the, 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 the uh, situation presents itself that 
we have to believe enough in what God has given us to share it. Not to use it as a club. <laughs> Here, let me show you what I believe, and you hit him over the head with it. No, it's a sharing of encouragement, a sharing of a belief that you believe in something. You believe in what can happen and will happen in a person's life. So, how then, and this is the title of the sermon, how then do we position ourselves to receive the blessing of God in our life? How do we position ourselves to receive God's reward in our life? Now, one thing that keeps you from being in a position to receive the answer to your prayers is that we sometimes are offended. <laughs> we sometimes are offended. Now, whenever we become offended, we generally do one of two things. We either back off or we get in their face. <laughs> yeah? We either back off, well, you know, I don't, you know, if you don't like me, that's your loss. I'm out of here. You know, back up. Some people, if you don't like me, well, let me show you what I'm going to tell you about a few things about myself. I don't like you either. You know, and I'm going to straighten out your belief system by straightening out your jaw. Um, but anyhow, so whenever we are offended, we generally back up or become too aggressive. To be offended only weakens us. Never, never thought of it that way. Offense, the word offense is an act of stumbling. <laughs> to be offended is an act of stumbling, becoming a stumbling block. So we, uh, being insulted or morally outraged, offense is a hurt displeasure. Offense is a hurt displeasure. So when you are offended, someone intentionally or unintentionally presented a problem, comment, um, happening, they offended you and hurt you, and you became aggressive or you backed away. To be offended only weakens you, so it will cause you to stop, to step back and look at things a little differently. So last week's message, and I, I, and I, uh, I gained a lot from last week's message, and uh, I see that many of you did too by the note card that I asked, but uh, <laughs> just kidding. Last week's message was about the Roman soldier. Remember, the centurion? He honored Jesus. He valued. Honor means to value. Now, dishonor, just to kind of put it in perspective, honor is value and time is value. If I don't have time for you, that means that I dishonor you. Okay? When I honor you, it means I am giving time to, I am giving credence to, I am giving value to, I am giving weight to what you have to say. So Jesus, his words and his, his actions carry a great amount of influence. They carry a great amount of honor in our life because we give, we give a lot of weight, we give a lot of credence, we give a lot of validity to this word. So when the word of God is honored by us, we then are uh, allowing it to influence us in a positive way. We are not offended by God's word. The, the story is about the Roman, the centurion. Now, the centurion, there is a legion, and that's uh, 6,000 people in a legion. 
and there is a general or a commander over the legion. And that legion has 60 centurions. So a centurion is over 100 soldiers. This centurion came to Jesus, and he came to him and wanted his servant healed. Okay, we know the story. I know it's last week's sermon, but it's still good, okay? The centurion came to Jesus and said, my servant is ill. And Jesus said, okay, I'll go with you to your house and, 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 and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll pray with him, we'll heal him. And the centurion says, oh no, you don't need to come, just speak the word. Because I'm a man under authority, a man under honor, a man who honors authority. Meaning that if you speak the word, my servant will be healed. Because I understand, and this is where we, 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 we see, that the centurion understood that God had given this authority to Jesus to speak the word and his servant would be healed. That he gave him the authority to speak the word and whatever Jesus said must happen just as he would say it because he's a man under authority. And the centurion believed that. And he said, you know, uh, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. So Jesus marveled at this man and says, I have not found such great faith, not even in all Israel. What was the, what was the, what was the great faith? The great faith was the understanding and the action coming together in the centurion's life. The understanding and the action coming together in the centurion's life. Hmm. So, Janet, she was up here last week. Come on up, coach. Allie, where's Allie? She's not here. She left. They went down. Come on, Janet. Cassie, come on down. Any other ladies here? You know what? You can stand right here, Cassie. You know, and Janet, you're over here. You're the, you're the cheerleader mom, okay? Now, we don't have any other girls here, do we? How about we get four boys? You think they would be good cheerleaders? Come on down, cheerleaders. We need some, some fill-ins. You're a football player. Okay. Come on down. You can, you can pretend. He's a good cheerleader. You have to, yeah, you, you can come and encourage. You can be a cheering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Come on down here. Line up. Line up. Line up. Right, line up. Cheerleader, you're encouragers. Okay. Line, no, don't stand over there. I can't see you. Let me get over this thing here. Hey, over here. Come on down here. Come on down here. It's a straight, I know it's a straight line this way. Yes, I have to have a straight line. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. Now, this is a team. Okay. We won't call them cheerleaders. Okay. Is that all right? We won't call them cheerleaders. Okay. All right. But the idea is this Jan's the coach. Okay. Jan's the coach. This is the team. Now, when Janet's the coach, what's going on? She says, you guys can do it. Do you believe her? You guys would be a good team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Why do you believe her? Because she's a coach. She's a coach. Okay, what if Janet not only is coach, 
but she is a nationally recognized coach that has come to help you guys out as a team. Oh boy. Now you begin to believe what she has to say even to another level, right? And not only is she a recognized coach, what she did was she put out a, a call, said, we want, we need people for our team. And you're the ones who showed up, okay? So you responded to the call. Now, how much do you believe the coach? It depends on what? Her background. So if she doesn't have a good background, she's just a coach, wants to be a coach, and nobody else would be coach, so she shows up, you kind of say, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> but if she is a nationally recognized coach who has taken teams from nothing to something, and she comes to you guys and says, I want to make you a good team, and you've got some really good talent here, what do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She got potential. Okay? All right. Now, Janet is now God. You know, God's a female. <laughs> Janet is now God. Pretend. All right. You always wanted to be God, didn't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Janet's now God. Janet, being God, calls and you've responded. Yeah. You're now one of God's children. Ask Christ to forgive you, live within your heart. Good thing. Now, how much do you believe God? How much do you believe when God says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose? Meaning, God has a way of working things around to the good in your life. Do you believe that? Okay. Guess what? The amount that you believe that will determine how much he can do in your life. Just like the coach. If, if the coach is an expert and can take your talent and take it to a whole new level, you begin to understand as you begin to develop as a team and as a person. When God says to you he can do things in your life, you have to decide, well, is it true or isn't it? And if it is true, then you express faith in God's ability. And then what happens? You receive instruction from God, which increases who you are, increases your ability, takes your potential to another level. And what happens? You begin to serve God, and it begins to work in your life, and it begins to come all over and things like that. Pray for my daughter. Would you pray for my daughter, Pastor? Well, why? Well, because she needs prayer. Well, that has nothing to do with my story. But that's okay, Dad. Really Are you a cheerleader? No, I'm, I'm not a cheerleader. <laughs> but I, okay, but anyhow, I wanted you to know how this works. Where are you going? You're supposed to be in front of me. You coming back? Okay. okay. All right. So <laughs> I was worrying. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but anyhow, Pastor, what? I want you to pray for my daughter. She's really sick. Aren't you from Ogletown? Yes, I am. <laughs> but. God even listens out there. I'm up close <laughs> to heaven, and he listens to me out there. <laughs> okay. Pray for my daughter. Okay. Well, okay. Please pray for my daughter, please. She's really sick. Okay. She really needs help. She needs help? Yes, she needs help. Even in Ogletown? Even in Ogletown. He listens to prayer out there, too. Well, you know, since you wouldn't go away, 
You're going to pray for my I'll daughter? I'll pray for your daughter. God answer your prayers. God answer your prayers. Amen. You can sit down. Now, you may think that's a story. Turn in your Bibles to um, Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. But do you understand, do we understand the concept? Do we understand the concept that unless we believe in God, we don't receive? And once we believe, then it be, you know, and the encourager. Now, and this is why it's so important. Back up a little bit here. Who is your encourager? Who is your encourager? Who encourages you in what you do? That's why when we think about God, God is our encourager. I, I remember I used this illustration years ago, and it's, you know, how many coaches, and this is, how many coaches does Tiger Woods have? Now, I know he needs a lot right now, but uh, <laughs> back whenever, before he had all of his problems, how many coaches do you think Tiger Woods had? One? How many coaches did Tiger Woods have? How many? He had five. When Tiger Woods was at the height of his game and doing very well, he had five coaches. How many people are your coaches? How many people encourage you? You see, being, we look at people who have excelled. You know, we, we had uh, privilege of going to the Steeler game last night. <laughs> I'm sure glad it rained because we left it half before halftime and we got home at 11.30 and we were watching the fourth quarter because I would not have wanted to drive home at 11.30 last night because I was tired. <laughs> but anyhow, you see all the teams out there, you see the, the players, and you see coaches all over the place. Why? Because coaches have to be involved in the life of the players in order to get the players to function as a team and take them to a higher level. How many coaches do you have? See? Who encourages you? If you don't have someone who encourages you, who encourages you? You see, that's where the Bible comes along and the scripture comes along. God comes along and says, I'm your best friend. <laughs> I'm a friend that's sick and closer than a brother. If all your friends forsake you, I will never forsake you. If someone comes along and says, you know what, you don't have what it takes. You got a few things wrong with you. God says, I put inside of you the seeds of greatness and of who you are to be as a person when you were in your mother's womb. And they are in there. And the only thing that's going to bring them out is my spirit and my love and my grace and my mercy in your life is going to bring them to blossom in your life. And it may take a lifetime, but I'm going to bring them out on you. That's what God says to us. Now, do you believe it? How much do you believe it? Well, are we just like the team looking at the coach saying, well, you know, you got some credentials, but you don't know about enough about us. Or do we recognize the coach has the, the ultimate credentials, God? He knows everything about you, and he loves you and gives you his word. Now, Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. 
He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he heard, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. She was from Ogletown. No, I'm just kidding. It's not in there. She was a Greek born of Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For if it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go and the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now, our little place or skid here, thank you very much for participating in this. <laughs> and we'll try and help your daughter pray for her, okay? <laughs> right. But again, it was just going along with the story. It was an interruption. See, and, and if you want to know the truth, if you want to know the truth, that's an understatement for church, um, no matter how you state or how you slice this verse, Jesus called this woman a dog. <laughs> Jesus called this woman a dog. How many would think of that as an insult? <laughs> okay? Now, would you remember whatever we started out the message today? We said people who are insulted... What do we do? We usually back away or we get angry. Jesus insulted this woman. And what happened? <laughs> like, if you came to me for a prayer and I called you a dog <laughs> or didn't pay attention, see, I thought she was going away and then, I, you know, she had to come back. She, you know, but, you know, we didn't rehearse it very well. <laughs> Next, oh, what's that? That's Broadway stuff there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, live theater. You never know what's going to happen. But if I called you a dog, whenever you came to me for prayer and I called you a dog, what would you do? Wouldn't that be an insult? Wouldn't that be something you would just kind of say, well, I've had enough of you, and I'd like to tell you a few things. So how much faith do you need to stay? How much faith do you need to stay and be able to present your need to God when you feel that he's not listening? How much faith do you need? You need enough faith to ask again. <laughs> okay? See, we often, we look at this, how much faith do you need? You need enough faith to stay and keep on asking. And this is where we are challenged. It's like, we, if we're thin-skinned, and I'm thin-skinned. I mean, I'm very, I'm, I am easily offended. I don't know why he made me that way. <laughs> but I am. I am easily, and I'm just, my, my, it's a terrible thing to do, but I generally, people don't like me, I back away, you know? And when I look at this, and this woman, 
comes to Jesus and he, you know, he calls her basically a dog and she keeps staying there. I, I think I'd have left. You know? I think I'd have just said, I put my tail between my leg and walked away. You know? I've been walking out of the house. Why? Because he doesn't want to talk to me. You know, I went there and I asked him and he said, no, he called me a dog and I walked off. How much faith do you need? You need enough faith to stay and ask again. Her belief and honor of Jesus, her belief and honor, she honored him. Now, see, this is where we also think, well, I honored them and they didn't honor me, so therefore, we're offended and we walk away. Jesus, whenever, whenever we, have a, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we've got to recognize the character of God not the situations that we find ourselves in, nor the assumed situations. Honoring God says we give time to him and we give weight, evidence, we give authority to his word. And his authority overrides the circumstance we find ourselves in. That's important. We cannot respond to the circumstances, we must respond to the character that we know is there. Because we can misinterpret circumstances. <laughs> I mean, I mean, misinterpreted circumstances. Because yeah. we like to look at circumstances, and, and then what do we do? We blame God. Well, why don't we just stick around long enough to ask and not place blame? When you're insulted, you back away. So, do you believe that God is in charge of our life? And how about when you feel insulted? When, when does it become your life and not God's? And when is it my right to respond and not God's right of ownership? This verse challenges me. Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. The commentary on this says, Jesus was saying his first priority was to provide food for the children, to teach his disciples. That's what the commentary, when they see, it begins to make sense that way, that Jesus is saying, here comes this, this Phoenician woman, this Ogletown person, and, <laughs> and Jesus says to, to her, you know, I have to teach my disciples first. And I want to take care of them first. That's what I'm doing. And, and, and not to allow pets to interrupt the family meal. You know, I don't allow, I'm, my job is to feed my disciples and not allow pets to interrupt the family meal. How many have pets? How many of them interrupt the family meal? They're always begging. How many, how many people have dogs and cats and whatever that beg at the supper, at the table? I mean, you killed the last one that begged at the table, no. Alright. <laughs> I was born on a farm. Okay. <laughs> My mom wouldn't allow pets in the house. Barns are for pets. <laughs> you got a pet, put it in the barn. <laughs> house is for people. <laughs> dog what dog, cat, nothing got in the house. My mom was strict that way. So anyhow, you've been places. <laughs> Where, and we had a dog and pets. You know. Anyhow, Burger, our, our dog, uh, our daughter's dog, when you're feeding Jackson, 
you know, uh, our the grandson. You see, you know, you have the tray, and then you're feeding Jackson, and, and at the bottom of the tray, you see this tongue coming up around the top and trying to find food, you know, <laughs> that Jackson has close to the edge, you know. And it's like, get out of there, dog, you know. <laughs> and you never have to clean up the, the seat of the tray, you know, of the high chair. The dog takes care of that. Okay. But Jesus is saying that it's my job to teach the disciples and feed them and not to feed the little pets, the little dogs that are running around the table. This is one of those, this is one of those statements. It's like the blind guy on the side of the road and, and he's crying out to Jesus and Jesus says, well, what do you want? This is one of those kind of those same situations where he is saying this to the woman, but it isn't, is, is, it for, is it for the disciples that he is saying this? Is it for the woman or is it for us? The woman had enough faith and knew that she had a need great enough that only Jesus could take care of it, so she wasn't going to let up on this. So she, and, and uh, the only thing I can imagine is that she is hanging around Jesus like a, like a dog around the table. Why? Because he always has a way of drawing upon a story that is really evident, a parable or whatever, that is really able that other people can relate to it. So he says, you're like a little dog that, that runs around the table picking up scraps. Why? What's her answer? Verse 28. She doesn't argue with Jesus. She says, you're right. Is it up there? And Samson said to him, yeah, you're right, Lord. But even the dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. <laughs> I may be a dog... But even your crumbs is enough for me. Even the crumbs that fall from the table from your disciples will be enough to take care of the need in my life. It was like, how much faith is enough to move mountains? Faith is a grain of mustard seed. Size of a grain of mustard seed. I mean, it's the smallest of all seeds. This woman expresses that all I need is the crumbs that fall from what you give your disciples, and it will take care of the need of my, my daughter. <laughs> and what does Jesus say? For such a reply, you may go, and the demon has left your daughter. For such a reply... For such a reply, all I need is just whatever, you, whatever your disciples drop on the ground. That's enough to take care of the need of my life. So we come and we hear the coach, God, say to us, all you need is enough faith to ask. 
All you need is enough faith to trust me. When things aren't going well, still enough faith to keep coming back. That when things aren't going well for your life, you believe what I am telling you over what, you, what other people are telling you. That I knew you while you were yet in your mother's womb, and I have a plan for your life. I have a plan for your life. Well, and I put the seeds in there when, before you were even born. I put it inside of you. And all of this stuff that's going on in your life, all of the difficulties and all the things that happen, I have a way of making them work for divine good and, and a purpose for you. Do you believe the coach who's the expert in life? Do you believe what the coach is saying? Do you believe his words for your life? And you see, how much does it take? It takes enough not to be offended. If we have enough faith not to be offended, offended by what? Offended by the circumstances of life. Offended by the things you don't understand. Offend, not be offended, you know, to, to have enough faith to get up when you don't feel like getting up. To have enough faith to say that God is in charge. And I don't know how, I don't know why, but I know God is in charge. Sometimes I don't feel loved, but I know God loves me. Sometimes I don't feel like I have a direction, but God has a direction. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm going to go to heaven, but God says if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He puts my name in his book of life and I'll live forever. So no matter what I feel, no, I will not allow those feelings to be an offense where I back away from my relationship with God because I believe the coach who knows me, calls me by name, Put my name in his book, the book of life. <laughs> you know, there's a modern proverb I read the other day. It says, you are always only one choice away from changing your life. You are always only one choice away from changing your life. Good or bad, one choice. And we pray that that's why we need the Word, that's why we need the Scriptures, that's why we need the hope that is in the Word to give us direction for the choices that we make, for the attitude that we have, for the hope that we have. You know, some people don't want to have hope. Why? Because they're going to be disappointed. God wants us to have hope. He wants us to be encouraged. And then comes along each of us to be encouragers of one another. And the reason that we are not encouragers most of the time it's because we don't believe enough in the words that we are about to say we don't really believe what we're telling someone so therefore we don't say it but you know what you don't make something up you compliment what you already see To, to have a compliment in your mind and not say it is a wasted thought. It doesn't do you any good and it doesn't do the person any good. 
So when you have a compliment, give it. So many people are apt to be critics, <laughs> and they'll, they'll spout off their criticisms, but how many people are caught up in their compliments, in their encouragements? How many people are caught up in what you can do and how that they can affect somebody's life in a positive way? And these are the things that God has get, given to us. God says, get your hopes up. <laughs> you know, set your goals and strive towards them. Believe that this is going to be the best year ever in school. <laughs> Believe that you can do it and that you can make it and that you'll find a way and opportunities will be presented. You know, and opportunities will be there. Sure, some things uh, present themselves as failures, but only God can turn them into opportunities. And so you're looking for the opportunity. I like the story, I know I've used it, but I'll use this one and close. You know, the little kid who's the best hitter in all the world? Throws the ball up and he's the best hitter in all the world. <laughs> Missed it. Strike one. <laughs> I'm the best hitter in all the world. I'm the best hitter in all the world. I'm the best hitter in all the world. <laughs> Strike two. <laughs> uh, I'm the best hitter in the world. I'm the best hitter in all the world. I'm the best hitter in all the world. <laughs> Strike three. <laughs> what do you know? I'm the best pitcher in all the world. <laughs> it's just a matter of perspective. What's God's perspective? What's our divine coach's perspective? <laughs> I know you. I know your thoughts. I know your intentions. I know you better than you even you know yourself. I love you. I have a purpose for you. I will never leave you. And I will make ways for you. And it hasn't even entered into your mind or heart the things that I have prepared for you. Do you believe me? That's the coach saying it to us. Do you believe me? And we as a a body of Christ as a team, as individuals, respond to the coach by saying, yes, I believe, and we respond then by participating in how we are going to live our life in that expectation of God doing great things in our lives. No team can say, I believe you, coach, and then go sit down. <laughs> you got to go out and practice. You got to go out and do it. You got to go out and put it together. You got to go out and be part of it. You can't this is not a this is not a, a spectator sport. This is a this is a life living experience in which God brings to reality what he tells us. We are called upon to engage in that. Amen. Do you believe it? <laughs> you thought I would fall. <laughs> He thought I was going to run over the pew. Step aside. <laughs> Get ready to catch me. <laughs> yeah. Let's stand, shall we? <laughs> Don't miss the boat. Remember that we're all in the same boat. There's no temptation but such as common to man. 
Everybody's tempted to give up and quit. But everyone is also encouraged by the Spirit in the same way. Plan ahead. God is at work. Don't listen to the critics. God has a way of putting it all together. Amen? Do you believe that team? <laughs> yes. Do you believe the coach? Don't have to believe me. Believe the coach. Believe the guy who created you. The one who put the word together. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. He is spirit inspires.